Welcome to Got Wisdom on WCBS News Radio 880. I'm Deirdre Koppelman, and along with your co-host, John Gassman, that's JG, tonight we're talking about having those crucial conversations that most of us will do anything to avoid having. Right, JG? Okay. Okay. You ever have a ever have to have a conversation with someone you work with or somebody that you love that you've tried to avoid at all costs? It's it's almost like mm-hmm. it's the conversation that could have a huge impact on your relationship. And I bet if you're anything like me, maybe you've avoided it for yeah. as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about any conversation. You know, there are lots of, there can be challenging conversations and frustrating and annoying or even scary conversations. Talking specifically about a crucial conversation, one where the stakes are high and emotions are definitely going to kick in. Yeah. I've had a lot of those conversations and I try to avoid them. (laughs) But sometimes you have to, uh, sometimes you really have to uh, jump on them. Yeah. Talk about how many of us, you know, are masters of avoidance, especially when it comes to these critical conversations Mm -hmm. all the time. And uh, should I share a story or two? Share a story. Hmm. Because you're always quick to say, I have a thought that uh, it's okay to have a thought that I don't want to express, which is really avoidance, JJ. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Maybe we can get into that a little further. Well, wh- well why don't you give us a story? Do you remember the guy we worked with, the uh, CEO? Well, there's been In the a Midwest? Few. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. we avoided some conversations with him. <laughs> remember when he got angry that one night? Oh, yes. And, and brought me to tears. Well, I didn't want to say that. Yeah, I'm okay to admit it. But we I needed to crying. have a real candid, critical conversation with him. Yeah. Well, coming up next, you'll have to finish that story because we're giving practical wisdoms on how you can master crucial conversations and how you can stop avoiding the volcano inside. So stay tuned. More drive time traffic. A collision approaching the Tappan Zee Bridge. More often. Triborough Bridge is the problem. Weekday mornings and afternoons on WCBS 880. You're never more than five minutes away from the latest traffic news. A lot of volume across the upper level now at the uh, GWB. When you need to know, we've got you covered. Inbound Midtown Tunnel, there's a stall past the toll. Traffic and weather together, plus the new bridge and tunnel update. Only on New York's traffic station. WCBS News Radio 880. Welcome back, everyone. And if you're just tuning in, I'm Deirdre Koppelman here with your co-host, John Gassman, and you're listening to Gut Wisdom. Tonight, we are talking about crucial conversations, you know, the conversations that we all look to avoid having, but know that we need to. I'm sure our listeners can relate. Yeah. Some people are really skilled, right? Superbly skilled at having those tough conversations. Mm -hmm. And... uh, Others are not, you know, and uh, for many, we try to avoid them at all costs. Some of them, you know, handle them really poorly. Mm-hmm. And then others know how to really handle them well. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. I'm not sure, JJ. <laughs> it all depends. What kind of conversations and, do you, are you talking about? Let's just be clear on this. Well, there, you know, some of it could be like I broke up with a partner at one time. That required, you know, sure. uh, dancing around a little bit and then having that real critical, decisive discussion. Yeah. Ending, you know? So ending a relationship. And it we, could be personal could, or professional. We it doesn't matter. that crucial. Right? It could be terminating an employee. How many of those mm. have we had? Absolutely. Probably hundreds of them. Uh, I've had it several times where I've had to ask, you know, friends or colleagues, hey, pay me back my loan. 
You know, wow. I've loaned people money and uh, friends and family, and it's an uncomfortable situation that you were asked to begin with, and now you got to go ask them, hey, do you remember that money? Do you remember those Ugh. shekels? Ugh. You know, or I had one years ago when I took over the firm from my dad that was one I avoided for so long. We had, unfortunately, someone in the office that had terrible body odor. <gasps> And they shared I can't a room. believe you said that. They shared the room with somebody, and we would get constant complaints. Nobody wanted to sit next to him at lunch. Mm. Um, he, he, you know, it's it was a, it's a it, big issue. I've it, heard it as well. It was not horrible. about me though. And I was the one who had to have that oh, I discussion. You were, you were no, the one that the had the body odor. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are types of crucial conversations. Even dealing with a rebellious uh, teenager or. If you have to confront a loved one about substance abuse and, yeah. you know, what about the in-laws? You know, hey, could you stop interfering in my marriage? It's a crucial or how, conversation. Or how, about, how about those 360s that we've done inside of organizations where people have to sort of, you know, they have to share candidly yeah. Yeah. their thoughts about their their boss, their yeah. manager. You know, the direct reports, it's one way and then back up. You know, the latter, it's, it's another way, easy. and it, it's very challenging for people because, you know, they feel their jobs are at stake. Totally. You I, know? Yeah. I uh, just had a recent situation. I was actually going to talk about uh, uh, how I typically handle crucial conversations, and I don't do it well. I would say, you know, when you say there are, you know, a couple of different ways handle it well, don't. I definitely don't. Yeah, My, you, you definitely try to avoid. I definitely um, try to avoid. And here, here's a case in point. So I was out in California with a client uh, this past week, as you know. Helping them with their people issues. Yeah, Smith, <laughs> Smith Family Wines, the most amazing family business in the wine industry. I love them. And I was out in California. Buy their wine, everybody. <laughs> yes, I was out. In, yeah, it's delicious. Smith Family Wines. Um, so I was out there for, let's say, Sunday. Four days? Yeah, four days. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, of course, with, uh, with the team and, and doing all kinds of things. And Welcome so, back, by the way. So Thank nice you. to have you back here. Thank you very much, Jamie. Need you on the East Coast. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking I want to move to the West Coast, but that's a separate story. <laughs> um, so anyway, you took uh, the red eye. I took the red eye home. Right. Got in at 5 a.m. And if Oof. if our listeners know anything, uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but I've got an English bulldog. Her name is Lola, and I love Lola. She's such a great, great, great dog. Lola has is on the gram, right? Is on Instagram. Lola's on Instagram. If you want to follow Lola, go ahead. What's how it, do they find her, Lola? Her gram is um, <laughs> say underscore Ola H O L A underscore two underscore Lola. Say Ola to Lola. Yes, she's ha- she has like over a thousand followers, and I I did not do that. Okay, Actually, so back so my, to the story. So my daughter Carly, yes. So my daughter Carly stayed at uh, one my of your place. favorite two daughters. Yes, I love them both, and. <laughs> So she stayed so that Lola wouldn't be sleeping alone, right, while I was away, which was really nice. And then she'd go to work during the day, and the Mm -hmm. dog walker would come in, and all was good. So Lola has a routine, and I'm a very neat, clean person. So when I came off of the red eye on Thursday morning, Mm -hmm. right, landed around 5 a.m., exhausted, no sleep, of course. Nobody sleeps on the red eye. eye. It's a bleary eye. (laughs) And... So when I got back into the city, so maybe it was like 6 a.m., 6.15, right. um, Carly was still sleeping. She didn't have to get up for work yet. And I walked nice in life. you know, quietly, and there was Lola, who gave me her Aww. little tushy wiggle, and she was so happy to see me. And I looked out on the terrace, 
and I saw. It's disgusting. So, listeners, I hope I don't gross you out with this, but... Nothing offensive, and what's your language? Nothing offensive. Well, it may be <laughs> offensive, but the language... There was poop, okay? And, <sighs> and, and you know... Yes, I know. How about number one? And number one and number two. Number one and number thing two. Thing one and thing two. Yeah. We're outside. All, all over my terrace. And I'm like, what the hell? What is... And I, emotionally, I got mad. Because you know what? Carly... You lost your temper? Well, I lost it, but I didn't do anything about it. Well, wait, right? wait, wait. First of all, you saw it. I saw that it. That was the trigger. That was the trigger. Yeah. And I knew that I need to ha- needed to have a conversation with Carly. And my, my first reaction was, I want to go in to the bedroom where she's sleeping. Oh, no. And like pull her out of the bed and say, really? This so is you, what I need to come home to? So you wanted to punish and really lecture her and give it to her? I want to punish her, but I wanted to express this is not acceptable. I don't this know. Is, when I spoke to you that morning, you were something like, I'm going to go in that room and I'm going to grab her by her hair and drag <laughs> her out and put her face right up no, to the no, window so no, she could see. No, no, you didn't say that. I didn't say the latter part of that. Uh-huh, what I did say was uh-huh, okay. I'd like to go in there, yeah. pull her out of bed and really let her know how unacceptable this is. Totally. But you bit your lip. I bit my lip and I avoided it and I've still avoided it. I still haven't said anything to Carly other than thank you so much for watching Lola. And that's why I'm so glad we're doing the topic tonight on what's the best way to handle, you know, crucial. Now, would I consider that conversation crucial with Carly? No, right? I'm not ending a relationship with my daughter over the fact that she's a pig and I'm not, right? Or that she's lazy or that she didn't do, I'm not ending the relationship. So it's a crucial conversation but it is a confrontation. Yeah. And I typically, and I'm sure like a lot of our listeners, if you can relate, typically tend to avoid confrontation for a lot of reasons, but none of them are really good. And we'll, mm. we'll, your, emotion, we'll, your, your emotions were running high. Totally. You, you were peeved. You, you, were, you were out there. And sta- I wouldn't call it that the stakes were high. No. But, but I avoided the confrontation. Right. And a lot of, and a lot of us do that. So so imagine and that's one and that's just one of the ways that people don't deal with yeah, those avoidance. critical conversations is by avoiding them. Other people how how often do we see, you know, they sugarcoat things or oh, mm, you know, they I couch things. Right. You try to make it sound nice. <laughs> the sandwich technique. Yeah. Hey, let me tell you how amazing and wonderful you are and oh, by the way, you know right. that XYZ thing that you did, it really made me sick to my stomach. But you're such a great person. That's the sandwich technique for our listeners in terms and of And what and there's a third there's a third way that people sort of uh act in silence. They avoid. Yeah. Right? They withdraw from a conversation. Oh, yeah. I, That's probably I'm, more me. If we get into a heated discussion, I'm going to put a stop to it. I'm going to put my hand up and say, you know what? We're done with this conversation. I'm leaving right now. Yeah. That's my pause button. Yeah. Um, I would agree. I think you don't sugarcoat anything. I think I do when I'm trying to be nice but get my point sure. across. I would say you never sugarcoat anything. Um. I've seen you change the subject maybe to avoid, right? That's sort of your not now, and then you sort of pivot. Pivot. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I have definitely seen you withdraw. Yeah. Yeah. None of which are (laughs) are good ways to handle confrontation or crucial conversations. Well, sometimes the reason that a lot of people do that is they're not ready to have that crucial or candid 
conversation. Yeah, and here's that, what, like, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. And listeners, if you can relate, please email me and let me know if you've been in these shoes too. You know, sometimes we're so emotional about something that, you know, we want to say that, you know, we just know that the fire-breathing dragon, that volcano that's that's kind of, you know, sitting in our bellies, we know sure. that's going to come out. So maybe we try to avoid having that happen so we don't have the conversation. Or sometimes we do it because... I know I've been in this situation. What's the point? The person is not going to change their behavior anyway. So why am I having uh, this confrontation or this crucial conversation? Yeah. And then I think there are other other times also where if someone has done something to hurt my feelings mm-hmm. and maybe they've done it repeatedly and I see these traits and characteristics in this individual that I say, you know. I don't want to be in a relationship with this person anyway. Why have the conversation? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, was instilled upon us when we're very young. Yes. You know, yes. Are we on a truth quest or are we on a feel good quest? Well, that and also. Do we really want to have that truthful, honest, candid conversation or do would I rather just feel good and not deal with it? Well, that's a good point. And I would also add you know, I grew up the youngest of six kids, and you know, I'm a Gen X family. No, it wasn't the Partridge family. The Brady but bunch. But the way we were raised was basically, you know, do as I say. You don't open up your mouth. You don't question. There was no confrontation in my house, so big I learned. Marv? No way. Oh, you you never confronted the big Marv. Oh no, no bazooka, no, no. bazooka man. No. Oh, no, what he said. You know, it was just a very. Um, he a, was a boss. He was authoritative. The boss. Exactly. And yeah. so you either fell in line yes. and listened, right? He was in the military, a highly decorated uh, uh, soldier there. Ran the so, house like it was the army. Well, he did. And so I, my learned behavior in terms of addressing things that I didn't agree with or um, anything was sure. all the things. I either would withdraw, so I was just quiet. Absolutely. Um, I would certainly not open my mouth. Forget yeah. it. And so, yes, you're right. That's, that is part of where it comes from. And other people are more in your face. Like you. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I've seen you um, with clients. Um, I, well, I, I, it's interesting. I can confront a client better than I can confront somebody that I like really love or am like, very, very sure. close to. But I could be pushy, controlling. Oh. Oh, very much brutal. so. You're brutal. You're, you Brutally know, honest. How's that worked for you? Uh, well, and do you really care? Sometimes no. Mm. So what have you learned? Emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Hit the pause button. Mm -hmm. You know, if I really want something, I may have to try a different tactic than the bulldozer. Mm. So do you think that you've mastered having these uncomfortable conversations? I've gotten better. Mm -hmm. There's always room for improvement. Uh Well, what's one thing? What's recently? Have you lost your temper what what have you recently had to uh, confront? I'm curious. What have I? I don't know. Have then, you seen something? Well, but before wait, yeah. there's also <laughs> have I seen you confront things all the time? Yeah, yeah, I'm in the I'm in the middle of the drama always, always because you create the drama. So wait, so stay tuned <laughs> because if you want to hear how JG creates drama, aside from mastering the art of having crucial conversations. Stay tuned. Be right back. WCBS. Delays of two hours plus. With drive time traffic every five minutes. Live from Chopper 880. We're just getting the first look here. Plus all the latest news. Several buildings have been evacuated. WCBS News Radio 880.
Good evening, everyone. We are back, and you're listening to Gut Wisdom. I'm John Gassman. Just call me little old JG. And we are here in studio with Deirdre Koppelman, the host of Gut Wisdom. How are you, Dee? Doing well, doing well. Tonight, Dee and I are talking about having critical conversations. You know, those are the ones we like to avoid for the most part. Mm. So how do we have critical conversations in the right way? Well, the experts say, and I try to follow this, it's about having a dialogue rather than an argument. And it and it's not just a dialogue. It's a successful dialogue. Yeah. So so what is a successful dialogue? Well, one, emotions have to take a back seat. We you know, to practice expressing ourselves without the emotional feelings coming through in our voices is difficult to do, but that is certainly the key to a successful dialogue. I'm curious. Yeah. Is this, uh, I'm going to make a statement, tell me if it's true or false, in your opinion. Okay. When emotions are high, logic is low. I would totally agree. Yeah. I'd be curious, listeners, what you think of that. When emotions are high, logic is low. However, I will also say that when logic is high, when when you're in a situation and you see it for what it is. Yes. And you are being logical. Well, what happens is if it's a, an offensive situation or something that creates something where you want to confront it, mm-hmm. then the emotions go high and the logic goes low. Right. Because there is no successful dialogue. You're just, you know, out there expressing yourself and confronting perhaps not in the best way. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it's all in the communication. For sure. Right. How is the message mm-hmm. being delivered? Mm-hmm. You know, also, being able to listen 50% of the time, you know, really provides a successful communication. No, I disagree no. with you. No, you don't want to listen 50% of the time. I no? Think, no. <laughs> Absolutely not totally agree. It, I think <laughs> what you were trying to say is the best communication, exi- you know, um, hold on, I'm coughing. <laughs> <laughs> She's all choked up. <coughs> I'm cracking up that you would think that the best communication is well, I like listening the, half the time because I, I like think that's th- what you must do. Exactly. Yeah, no. Well, how it goes, JG, is Share with us. to be the most effective communicator. Yes. Right? We're talking about how to deliver a message mm-hmm. uh, when you don't want to, mm-hmm. um, is to be a very good listener and understand that communication is made up of listening 50% of great communication is how good oh, of a listener is that are you? the statistic you yes. always say this and I never get it right <clears throat> mm-hmm. so when we talk about listening we're talking about listening with no judgment with no intent to reply very quickly yeah. with something so it's all about really how it's delivered well, it's how communicated you're yeah. listening you repeat Right? You practice active listening? Sure. So that's Mm -hmm. part of a successful dialogue. And I would also add that it also means that, think about the word dialogue. It's actually two people talking and listening to each other. Right? It's not. What isn't it? I know it's not sending an email. Or a text message. That always gets people in trouble. Yeah. So I did that a few weeks ago. How'd that work out? Not well. I uh, was very frustrated with an individual and it had been building up and building up. And because I had Ugh. I had tried sort of to have successful dialogue, it just wasn't working. And then I go back and I trust and I believe and then boom, it happened again. So <clears throat> I was so angry 
that I wrote it. I wrote it in a text message. Hmm. But I've seen also where you get upset or others get upset. And what do we tell them to do? We'll tell them, write it out. Oh, yeah. You know, don't don't send the email, but write it out. I did. Right? I did that first. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and just save it up. and just save it yeah. and deal with it later. But it did it help you? To get it out of you? It did. And yeah. I would add that a successful dialogue when you're dealing with having to have a crucial conversation or a critical conversation or a confrontation, try thinking about it as we're going to be carefrontational. Carefrontational. As opposed to confrontational. So there's mutual respect for one another. Absolutely. You're not confronting. You care. Well, confrontation, confrontation, JG, in and of itself is, and I'm sure listeners, doesn't confrontation sound like a bad word? It's it sounds negative. It sounds like this is not this is not a good thing. Yeah. So if you take the word confrontation and you think of it, take a step to the left a little bit or to the right, depending on your political preference. No, just kidding. If you take a step back and look at the word confrontation and think about it as communication. Now, now it's neutral word. It's mm-hmm. not <clears throat> a negative uh, connotation. So now confrontation goes to communication and the way in which we want to communicate through having a successful dialogue is by being carefrontational. Right. And then I think that sets the tone. Now, I'm sure everybody's wondering, well, why doesn't Deirdre listen to her own advice? And that's because I'm human <clears> too. <throat> yes. I would say I do as often as I can. Yeah. But there are certainly times I fall off the wagon because the emotions run high and I either just want to avoid it for all the reasons I said before. Maybe I just don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Maybe I just don't think it's worth my time to have that conversation. All all kinds of reasons. But it also comes down to having respect for the other person. It does. It's a way of saying, I care. I want to work this out. Mm -hmm. Let's make it happen. Let's get along. But there has to be mutual respect. Mm hmm. So a wisdom, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, you were sharing with me before we even started tonight, is how do you know if there's mutual respect? How do you know if that person will even listen to you in your communication? You have to ask the question. You have to really approach them and say, listen, something happened. Mm -hmm. I want to have a conversation. Are you open Mm -hmm. to having a dialogue? Are you open and are you truly interested Mm -hmm. in what I have to say? Yeah. In honesty, if the person's not interested in what you have to say, then I'd say, see ya. Or ask, when would be a good time to discuss this? That's another good one. And I would also add, what if somebody says, let's say I say, so you and I had a little bit of uh, an argument. We always do. What else is new? We're like a couple. A couple of... uh, Nuts. A couple of nuts. (laughs) Yeah, it was an argument and I was pretty angry. But here's here's the thing I was going to say. Sometimes if you ask the question... Are you really truly interested, JG, in what I have to say? And let's say you say, yes, D, I really am. I may be so angry and not believe you and just totally say, you're just saying that, right? Which is not the thing to do. Right. I'll right. usually have that smirk on my face yeah. and you know it's not time to talk to me. Yeah, that's true. But- or other times I'll just sit down, put the pen down and I'll turn off my computer. I'll sit back and I'll say... What's going on? Right. But in the in the moment of when you want to approach somebody. Sure. And you ask them, are you really interested in what I have to say? Mm-hmm. If they say yes, 
don't sit there and then make that a, you're lying. You really don't want to hear what I have to say. Just take it at face value and move it along to having that carefrontational communication, mm-hmm. right? They've said yes, go for it. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Not always. <laughs> we, can, we can agree to disagree. First of all, you have to let enough time. It, you know, if you're too close to the situation, if the blow up just occurred mm-hmm. or if you're going into one of these crucial conversations or critical conversations where, you know, probably the timing is a little off. Like for me, I would say, give me a little while. Let mm-hmm. me put it over here. Deal with it later another day and then have the conversation. Right. So, so I think timing is more important than anything else. Well, let me ask you then this question. Some people are more emotionally intelligent than others. Uh, no comment. <laughs> so let's take it to a truly crucial conversation. You sure. broke up with a business partner, mm-hmm. right? How, did, how, how long, how many crucial, those are crucial conversations when you make that, we had, that, final, that final decision, right? Yeah. Go ahead. Tell them when we hear. Tell the listeners what happened. Well, it probably took about two years in the making. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say if I didn't talk it out, I probably acted it out to some extent. My anger, my frustration, my aggravation. Well, with, that's what um, happens when you don't have the communication, when right? You, so if you 100%. avoid it or if you withdraw, 100%. you know that that volcano that's brewing inside sure. is seeping so out it mani- somewhere else. So it manifested itself in a lot of other areas of my life. Mm-hmm. That's part one. To be able to be aware, right? to identify that. Then from there, it came down to, okay, we had mutually agreed as to the steps we were going to take. To dissolve the partnership. No, 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 no. To try and make this work. Oh, to try to make it work. Good. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, what happened was not everybody was putting in, not everybody did their homework. I remember. Right? Yes. Not everybody came prepared to meetings. Not everybody did what they said they were going to do as part of that agreement. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we had to have, I wouldn't call it a crucial conversation. We had to have a pivotal conversation. Mm. Because when somebody showed up and didn't have homework done, I I immediately knew it was there. Right. It was time. There was no need for a volcano to erupt. The decision was made already. It was evident that... Was it a mutual decision? No. It was your decision. It was my decision. Mm-hmm. I think things would have just festered because the other person was just like, let it just go. Well, What's you... really going to happen? Nothing's going to happen. JG won't do anything anyways. Well, that happened you know, to me in 25 my 25 years of a relationship. What's he really going to do? Is he going to pull the trigger? Yeah. And I think a lot of people were surprised. Yeah. Because where was the loyalty? You know, the Gassman family is a very loyal family. They don't just get rid of you. They don't quit. Right. Yeah, but what happens is, and this happens with everybody. And then we had the conversation. Listen, you know what? You ever get the feeling things aren't working out the way they're supposed to work out? So do you think you should have had that crucial conversation earlier in time? Two years before. Two years before. Yeah. Yeah. It was two years in the making. I just prolonged the agony. Why? Uh... Prolonged Probably. it, meaning avoided it? No, I think we were working our way through, and I was hoping for change. A different outcome. Yeah. yeah, and it's like the key employee, you yes. know? You have these key people that are with you a long time. You don't want to get rid of them. You want to keep them. You want to find a place for them. You want to, yeah. you know, but sometimes you have to re- realize, you know, one rotten apple 
could destroy the whole bunch. Yeah. And, you know, the consequences mm-hmm. of not were were so obvious yeah. that, you know, you know what you have to do. And you've done that also. Well, I just your... had out at my client in uh, in California. Sure. I had to facilitate crucial conversations uh, amongst coworkers who were really being... Um, not even confrontational with each other. They were avoiding each other. There was passive aggressiveness. There was the ice queen faces, the resting biatch faces. (laughs) And basically things were not getting done. And each one would come to me uh, separately. I'd get phone calls, you know, obviously. But once I was out there, uh, we were in a, you know, You were able to facilitate. I was able to facilitate a confrontational conversation, which... You know, it's it's easy for me to to do that for well, other people. Right. I was just about to say, <laughs> you know, sometimes we need to be coached on how to have those conversations. You know, probably 90 to 95 percent of our conversations are not critical or crucial. True. You know, they're standard every day. Let's right. dialoguing. Yeah. You know, so how often do we have these, you know, decisive, important conversations and a lot of us are just not skilled and we need to be equipped and that's why having a coach or having an HR department or yeah. a leadership development program in place is beneficial for people inside of companies or if it's a marital a marital issue you know going to somebody on the outside for advice counsel and um and perspective but you are splendidly skilled you superbly gifted at Are you talking art, about me? Yeah, at the art of having these types of conversations that. with others. Yes, JJ. Thank you. You're welcome. And, but you bring up a very good point. These crucial, it's important to identify and know for ourselves what's really a crucial conversation and what's just, we need to communicate about this a little differently. Not everything is a crucial conversation that requires withdrawal, avoidance, snapping, transference. Mm. It's really, so you brought up a really good point. Kudos, JG. And that's why most of us don't know how to really deal with the the crucial conversations. The ones that are, you know, where the stakes are super high, breaking up in those relationships or partnerships. Yeah, pivotal. It's a good point. Very, very good point. You know, so Steve, because- Steve Geismar, who was on last week, who's in a family-owned business, talked about succession issues. You know, how many conversations did they have internally Yeah, you know, that were pivotal conversations, crucial, yeah. you know, to be brutally honest in a carefrontational way yeah. that everybody can walk out and feel good, mm-hmm. you know, not like they've been browbeaten. So that- listeners, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off, JG. It's okay. You not do. while you're driving. Email me at dkgutwisdom, G-U-T-W-I-Z-D-O-M.com. Tell us, tell us how you have dealt with the crucial conversations that you've had to have. And when we come back, we'll give you the absolute best wisdoms on how to avoid those confrontational, crucial conversations and how to do them right. Stay tuned. Get the news you need whenever and wherever you need it. Follow WCBS on Twitter and like us on Facebook. You can even listen to WCBS on your phone with live streaming and audio on demand with the CBS local app. Stay connected with your favorite news radio station all day long. When you need to know, WCBS has you covered. We're back and you're listening to Gut Wisdom. I'm Deirdre Koppelman here with your favorite co-host, John (laughs) Gassman, a.k.a. JG. And tonight, JG and I are talking about 
crucial conversations, how we all avoid them, and we've got some wisdoms. JG, what what do you think is one of the best ways to get over avoiding the conversations that none of us want to have? I saw a very interesting joke. A can joke? I sh- can I share it? Sure. sure, sure <laughs> okay. Sure. So picture grandma and grandpa hanging out together, right? right. And grandpa says- Is this a clean joke, JG? Yes. Okay, go ahead. It is. Sorry. You, you, will, you will see that it is a clean joke. All right, so we have grandma and grandpa. Right. And grandpa says, whenever I get mad at you, you never seem to get upset. How do you manage to control your temper, honey? And she says, I just go ahead and I clean the toilet. He says, how does that help? She said, I just use your toothbrush. <laughs> And I'm thinking about and and I'm thinking about that for the moment in terms of picturing you know you get angry right and you got and you got a little and in those crucial vindictive retaliatory I don't know if that's a good wisdom but that's a funny (laughs) funny joke I'm sure we've all done that yeah well maybe not exactly maybe not literally but that's actually a good one to use Mm. but think about it you know you have these crucial conversations people are heated people are. People are mad. And you were talking about it earlier how, you know, some people withdraw yeah. from the conversation and you don't know if it's the proper time or how they're going to react to something. And uh, I just picture every time, you know, I'm having one of those conversations and the person just real silent yeah. looking at me listening. Yeah. You know, are they using my toothbrush well, to, to clean the urinal or the toilet or you, something? You know that you just gave me the best idea. Well, I don't keep my toothbrush in the bathroom. Well, you have, well, no, you have other anymore. things in your little <laughs> toiletry bags that are in the office in various cabinets. So, so let's be talk careful, about, so let's JG. Back to the wisdoms. Now that was good. Okay, go ahead. What's listeners? Don't use that against your uh, spouses, please. But. Um, or you your know, business let, partners. Let's be clear. <laughs> yeah. So what's a what's a really good way? Tell us. Give us a wisdom. Well, I think one of the things is it might be useful to take a moment to look more closely at that which you're trying to avoid. What do you mean by that? Think about it. What is it that you're trying to really get out of by not having that conversation? Hmm. You know, what is it that you're you're you don't want to deal with, and why? You know, your question always is why. Yeah, that's a good one. That's one. Yeah. Did you like that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Give me another. So if I heard you correctly, I'm going to think about when I don't want to have the conversation and I find myself withdrawing or avoiding or, God forbid, using somebody's toothbrush to do whatever it was that you said. (laughs) Yes. uh, Being, you know, vindictive. What I should do is think about, well, what am I afraid of? If I have the conversation, what's the problem? What am I afraid is going to happen? Is that what you're saying? No, a little different, but that would be a second wisdom. Okay. Okay. What, and, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'd say a third one would be understand what's behind the curtain that you think is going to happen by having that conversation. Mm. Is it positive or is it negative? Mm-hmm. You know? I like that. Go ahead. Keep going. You're on a roll. I'm on a roll. Hmm. Let me think of another. <laughs> I like to also think about, you know, in anything, I always brainstorm what is it that I'm trying to gain from this. I always like to think with the end in mind. That's very good. And then, you know, what do I really want? That's the question that I'm going to have with myself mm-hmm. before I have that crucial conversation. Yeah, I mean, what is it that I want for myself? What is it that I want for others? What is it that I want for the relationship? And how would I have to behave? Right. Because this is about behavior more than anything else. To get what is, you want. 
to get the result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, think it, about it. Think about somebody who wants a raise. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a conversation with their boss. Mm-hmm. It's a critical conversation. Absolutely. And so their end in mind is, I want to walk out knowing that I'm going to get X percent more. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. So they have to do a reality check. Has my behavior, my performance, my results, mm. are those things in check? Yes. And think about what you have to gain by having the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I guess shake what the fear might be. What's the worst that can happen? The answer is no. I don't know. No, a matter of fact, you're doing a bad job and you know what? We're we're going to move you in a different position or you're fired. Or You know, people tend to go to dark places with these conversations when it comes to raises or bonuses or new titles. We see this all the time. Sure. They get nervous. They're scared of the boss. I mean, I think... And They're think fearful. Of, true. And think about a conversation, you know, a crucial conversation that, that's even a negotiation, something that's positive. You go in, you're the CEO or manager or whatever the case may be, and you want to negotiate with somebody, uh, starting with that end in mind, I think is not a bad thing. I think there's... You don't avoid the conversation, Right. Um, if you don't think um, you're going to get what you want. But there's something, I don't know if you've ever heard of, you ever hear of avoidance coping? Avoidance coping? Yeah. No, share a little bit more about what avoidance coping is. All right, so I've done Because maybe I use a different term for it than you do. Maybe. So if you think, or if a listener, if any of us think that the outcome of a crucial conversation um it actually may trigger some memories of a situation that we had at another time with another person. Mm-hmm. That's called avoidance coping. And really what you're doing, we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to look at the, this this person, this situation, this issue on its own if we're attaching other previous past experiences to it. Yeah. The, the, you Do you know, understand the, what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and if... You know, and the problem that I have with that is, you know, unfortunately, for a lot of us, we attach, you know, false assumptions, you know, our belief, our our past, you know, we haven't gotten over the past, we haven't worked it out. And we bring that baggage, Mm -hmm. you know, fear, what do they say fear stands for? False evidence appears real. We have this stuff, the squid on our face, I like to call it. And it's not real. You know, it's just stuff in our own heads. It's also, you're right. And it also, aside from it, it, it was real at a time yeah. when you experienced it. Absolutely. In a different place with right. a different person. You have to tell yourself a different story. Or at least say this is a different story. Yeah. This is not the same story. And I've seen that so many times, uh, you know, as a divorced woman, uh, which, you know, was my choice. And I think about a lot of the women that I've met who are divorced who've had horrible, horrible experiences. And they take those horrible experiences that, that they had in that relationship with their spouse. Yeah. And and they bring it forward. They bring it into forward. Into new relationships. To almost every single new relationship. Agreed. They take yes. the lack of trust, the, the yes. whatever whatever experiences happened. Yes. And, and off it comes, you know, and, and, and they place it on somebody else. So that's called avoidance coping. And I try to be very very cognizant and aware, you know, if I'm ever doing that, but it happens. So, so if you just stop yourself for a second and say, wait a minute, does this feeling really belong where I'm putting it? Then 
if you say no, then maybe you don't need to avoid the conversation. Yeah, or confront it. And I think that's a word that a lot of us, and you alluded to this earlier, Mm -hmm. the word confrontation versus confrontation. Confrontation has that negative connotation to it. Definitely. No, confrontation is bad. Yeah. You know, uh, it's going to fuel your fear. Mm. But if you look at it, that this is all about the art of dialogue. True. Then it should perhaps switch your mind into thinking that I can make this work. Yes. And since you said that, you know, if you use I statements, so at the heart of all really good communication. Ooh, you're... you're I'm using my fists. I'm using, Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's the ability, (laughs) if we have the ability to stick to I statements. So rather than saying, JG, you are so arrogant. See my smile? I'm not looking. (laughs) JG, you are so arrogant in meetings. You never bother showing up on time. You can, you can say it that way. Yeah. That would, that would really irk me if you said that. so how does it sound if I say it this way? JG, I'm really concerned about the way you address the group, and I really feel a little disrespected when you arrive late. Ooh, softer. It's different. Yeah, I would be more receptive. Why? Uh, it's not about It's not about me. It's about something that I'm doing. Well, it's about, that's right. I'm not attacking your character. Correct. I'm not saying you're a this, you're a that, yeah. you're a this, you're a that. Yeah. I'm putting it on me. So to make you less defensive, right? I'm putting it on me. Hey, I feel like this. I feel like that. That's a I'm concerned about this. That that's a great little switch, a little nugget, a little wisdom to change the uh, dynamics of a crucial conversation. It's almost like saying, you know, JG, do you know that when you come late, that really makes me feel bad? Yeah, like my like. What I'm saying is unimportant. Well, and and that and let's be real. These aren't you know, we can't put this in the same light as I want a divorce. <laughs> Coming late to a meeting <laughs> and I want a divorce. Ah, the the big difference in that conversation. Although I will say, you can use the same language. Communication and best communication for for a crucial conversation is really not any different. It's confrontational. You use I statements. It, and and look to really get your point across without bringing past. Ex- yes, you're putting your finger up. I'm sorry, I'm getting excited. It goes back to listening. Yes, you know one of the most important aspects of this dialogue mm-hmm. is all about listening, mm-hmm. right? But listening more than fifty percent of the time, right, JJ? Uh, I just want to make sure I got it right. You just wanted to make sure I was listening. <laughs> Correct. There you go. So, um, hmm. We had an argument. We did? Yeah, because oh. we always do. Okay. What which 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 argument <laughs> are you specifically referring to in this segment? Oh, JJ, it doesn't matter. What matters is how I reacted. Oh. And how you reacted or didn't react. Okay. Fill our listeners in. Well, here's the thing. And I'm going to be very surprised, so this will be fun. Mm, well, mm-hmm. I was not confrontational. I was angry. Oh. I did not use I statements. I used you statements. Mm. Okay. Okay. I don't remember this one, but keep going. Well, it was it was pretty recent. Okay. And it was between like tonight and when I got back from California to get your memory going. But anyway, the point is, is that 
um, you still have an accepted responsibility for your actions. Well, I forgave you already. Right. You forgive me, but you're the one. So we have to, I want to do a, a whole show on, hmm. JG-isms? Well, when, <laughs> when you forgive somebody for something that you've done, for something that you've created, I think Listeners, that might have be, you ever had this happen to that, you? I think that actually might be a little diabolical. I don't even know. Maniacal. No, diabolical. Ooh. I think we should do a segment on diabolical narcissism. Do I have that? Is that the label? <laughs> I thought you said you don't like to use I don't labels. Believe, I don't believe in labels. So listen, listen, listen. If you missed the beginning of tonight's show or you want to listen again and share it with others, you can download this episode and all of our previously aired Gut Wisdom shows by either going to our website, Gut Wisdom, G-U-T-W-I-Z-D-O-M dot com. Or you'll find us on iTunes and Play.it. And by the way, we have a book coming out, right? We sure do. And if you'd like to reserve your copy of Gut Mm. Wisdom, Gut Wisdom for the Entrepreneur, you can email me, dk at gutwisdom, G-U-T-W-I-Z-D-O-M.com. We'll get you on that list. And we have our next live event, Tuesday evening, September 19th. Yeah, that's going to be a big one. And if our listeners would love uh, an opportunity to come, VIP passes, bring a guest that's going to be September 19th, shoot me an email and let me know. Yeah, and if you're interested in advertising on the show, let us know. We'd be happy to entertain a conversation. You can, again, email DK at Gut Wisdom. And let's create a feature for you and your business, and we'll get your brand of yourself and your wisdoms out there in the marketplace. Yeah, this is a unique place to uh, to be seen and heard. So thank you so much for listening tonight. Big thank you to our listeners, to our partners at WCBS Radio. You've been listening to Gut Wisdom Radio that resonates. And until we're back next week, have an amazing Saturday night. <laughs>